So I told you that, that some either challenge or misrepresent this command. Here's a few of those challenges. Some will say, but Paul expressly calls wives to submit. I, I love this challenge, right? They expressly calls wives to submit, which is true. And he never calls a husband to do the same. Their argument, even further still, uh, rightly shows that God's word from Genesis to Revelation, church, from Genesis to Revelation, never uses the phrase, husbands submit to your wives. So that's one argument. It's the argument from context. It's the argument from expressed wording. And then there's an argument that says that the order of submission in the scripture is never reversed. And I love this argument because it cracks me up. They haven't read their Bible. So, so what do we say to these challenges? Number one, the context argument. In light of Ephesians 4.32, Ephesians 5.21 clearly says what it says. Everyone is to submit to everyone. If a person disagrees with this idea, the burden of proof falls on them and they can't make their case from Scripture. Which, if you're a Christian, that's the place you make your case. You don't make it anywhere else. However, we still have a responsibility in this argument, and that is that we have to show that each party, men and women, are called uh, husbands and wives, children and fathers, slave and master. We are called uh, to submission and what it looks like in each particular context. Listen to me very clearly on this. We can submit to one another in a general Christian sense. Do you know that? Every one of us should submit to one another in a general Christian sense. Honor one another is more important than yourselves. Who's ready for that one? Man, I'll tell you what, I suck the air straight out of the room in this sermon. It makes me happy. Even though we're supposed to submit one to another, and we're supposed to honor or prefer one another as more important than ourselves, you, you do realize that the scripture is also clear that uh, wives are to submit to their own husbands. Do you know that? So we're sitting around the table on Tuesday night, and we're talking about these kinds of things. And, uh, and Tina asked me a question, okay? She, she looks at me, this is our elders group, and Tina looks at me, and she asks me a question. And it was a question of authority. It was a question of should I or shouldn't I? And Barney is sitting right there. And I said, I don't know. Ask him, right? You know? And she's like, oh, yeah, what, what is that? You know, Barney, of course, felt great about that. Anyway, but... But the, the, the real important thing is here, Paul makes a distinction. He says, wives are to submit to their own husbands. Uh, scripture doesn't say, no matter what anybody tells you, Scripture does not say that women are subject to men, but wives to husband. The context of God is the head of Christ, and Christ is the head of man, and man is the head of woman, is the context of marriage. All of this is submission, but it plays out in different ways. So number one, context supports mutual submission, contrary to those arguments. Number two, mutual submission exists even though the word hupotasso doesn't appear in each individual case. In chapter 6, 1 and 6, 5, notice these, children and servants respectively are told to obey. But you know what's interesting about that, that phrase, those verses? Hupotasso is not the word used. It's a der derivation. It's hupakuo, which simply translates to listen. But... Nobody would infer that because hupotasso is not present or submission is not present like it is present for husbands and wives or governing officials and their citizens that a child should not submit to their father. No one would assert that, would you? Children should submit. So just because the word isn't there doesn't mean we get to just say, okay, children are free to do whatever they want. Heck no. I got four little girls. This is not a good rule, okay? Okay. 
So, one, the context proves the case. Number two, the absence of a term doesn't prove anything. Let me give you an example. The Trinity. The word Trinity never appears in the Bible. And yet we know that God is three who's and one what. We know that he is a Trinity. Number three, some will say that leadership order is never reversed in Scripture. What they mean is that mutual submission can't be possible because Scripture never expressly tells masters to submit to slaves or that uh, parents shouldn't submit to their children, humanity shouldn't submit to Jesus or Jesus to humanity. Uh, I, I reverse that. But none of these circumstances are ever reversed, is their argument. It's simply not true. It's just simply not true. After Paul states that Christians are to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, he goes on to explain what submission looks like in each particular case. In 6.1, he tells children to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. We understand that they are to live in obedience to their parents, submitting to their parents as a way of their mutual submission. However, he then says to fathers that they are not to provoke their children to anger. This is where it gets controversial. This is a form of mutual submission. This is a form of coming under. Oh, Nathan, I disagree with you. Some will say that if this is, that this, if this is submission, it's a submission to God alone. This isn't a submission to your own children. Well, I agree with you that it is a submission to God. But the next instruction about slaves and masters proves my point. Slaves are to be obedient to those who are their masters according to the flesh. But look at what he goes on to say in verse 7. With good will... Render service as to the Lord. Who are you uh, submitting to when you submit to earthly institutions? Who are you submitting to when you mutually submit one to another? You're submitting to the Lord. Because when we obey God's word, which commanded us to do so, we are consequently submitting or in obedience to him. Living in proper submission or mutual submission is the biblical model. But now for the big reversal. Immediately after Paul says that slaves are to be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as you would to Christ, look at what verse 9 says. Please follow with me. And masters do the same thing to them, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Do the same things as them? Did you hear that? The same thing, the content of do the same things is found in verses 5 through 8. Slaves submit to your masters and masters submit to your slaves. The slave is to be obedient and the master the same, but in the context of not being harsh, not being oppressive, not like the rest of the world. Do you see the connection there? It's re really important that we see it. Make no mistake, it's mutual submission. So, if the image in Ephesians 6 doesn't convince you of this, let me give you the words of Jesus in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. These are, these are Jesus' words. When James and John send their mommy to ask Jesus to put them into places of prestige and honor, and yes, they sent their mommy to do it, um, Jesus doesn't say, there's no such thing as leadership structure in the kingdom of God. At the end of his correction of them, he actually says, the places you're seeking are my father's to give. He acknowledges that they are places, but they're his fathers to give. But look at what he says. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you. This is Matthew 20. But whoever wishes to become great among you, 
Notice there's an order. There is greatness. There is some sort of rank. Shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first, there's an order. First, second, third, it keeps going. Among you shall be your slave. But look at what Jesus says next. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Based on the context, Jesus just declared himself, the one who is Lord of all, he just declared himself to be a slave, to be a servant. He came to serve us at the command of his Father, at the willing obedience to his Father, but he came to serve us and not to be served by us. Anyone who concludes that the order is not reversed in Scripture doesn't know what submission means and they don't know what the Scriptures say. If we say that order is to be reversed uh, in, in a way that the wife becomes the head of the household, the Bible doesn't agree with you. Okay? Hear me clearly. If we're saying that the order is reversed and it doesn't matter and therefore the wife is the head of the household, you are, you are at odds with the word of God. But if we are saying that as the head of the household, the husband is to submit himself to his wife by loving her and willingly, willingly laying down his life for her, then there's no way around it. There's no wiggle room, men. There's no wiggle room. You die, and you have to understand who your example was. I've even heard people say the Bible doesn't call fathers to serve. They're called to lead. Nonsense. Jesus is your example. What did he do? Came to serve, not to be served. You die. I know that that hurts. I know that that's frustrating. But we, listen, if I can do nothing in the time that I spend in this church until I die, because you ain't getting rid of me that quick, uh, if I can do anything, it would be to raise men who understand what it means to love, what it means to serve, what it means to lay down their lives. All of that is biblical leading. All of that is biblical headship. What a beautiful, beautiful idea. Beautiful idea. 